Well, good morning. How are we doing today? Wow, there is a, a red wave in the room today. Let's go Chiefs today. Good to have everybody joining us online as well as the men of Lansing Correctional. We love you so much. I'm going to be at Lansing uh, live in person on the 15th of February. Uh, so I can't wait to see you guys in person to be part of our church community, our church family in Lansing and the awesome team there. Can, speaking of teams, can we get up for the worship team? What a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Thank you guys. Hey, you can grab your seat. Good to have you here. Uh, if you've not been here for a minute uh, or this year, we're, we're doing something. Uh, as we read through the Bible together as a church, uh, we got real creative. It's like, okay, let's, we're going to preach through the passages that we either just read in the previous week or going to read in the coming week. And we're like, okay, what can we call it? The Bible preaching through in a year. We called it the Bible year. I know we're very creative here. But as we kind of go through God's word and let it become a foundation for our life and for our future, uh, we believe it's so important that we just stay on the same page, get in unity. So if you haven't joined with us yet, start on the Bible reading plan today. To start with today, beginning and catch up later, because every single week we're going to be learning and leaning into what God is speaking. It's amazing how he weaves uh, in our heart as a church, something that speaks to the current situation or the climate and the atmosphere of our city, of our church. And today is no exception. Matthew chapter 17. And we're going to get into one of our Old Testament passages as well today. Matthew 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brothers of James. These sons of Zebedee, they came with him. And he led them high on the mountain just them by themselves. But there, Jesus was transfigured. This is the um, Mount of Transfiguration. Before them, and Jesus began to, like, glow. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light, like he worked at the Cheesecake Factory. Just then, there appeared before them, Moses and Elijah shows up. This is a special moment, and they're talking to Jesus. Peter, as Peter does, says, we should build a monument of shelters for three. Let's remember this moment. And then God speaks, and he publicly in front of them affirms that this is my son and whom I'm well pleased, just like he did in the baptism waters. And, but from that moment, Jesus is like, no, we're not staying here at this mountaintop. We have to go do the ministry, depending on what gospel you're in. It leads us to this. This is the last, really last few months before he he goes to Calvary's cross and fulfills his mission here on the earth. He did his part. It's interesting. It's, it's mountaintop moments. We actually see, this is a New Testament example, something we see in the Old Testament. It's a principle that God shows us that he does something great in elevated places, something glorious when we get out of the normal and we climb higher. And mountaintop experiences are wonderful. If you've never had one, I pray that you do. Uh, you'll have one in your worship or in your word. Maybe have it in a worship service where God just speaks something special to you. God does something incredible. God lifts a burden or heals something in your heart. But really, what we're called to have in mountaintop moments is a special glorious God encounter so that when we go down from that elevated place, we can minister and lead in the places where it matters the most. I pray that we have mountaintop experiences in our Sunday gatherings. 
but it's actually what we encounter in his glorious moments that we take with us even in our daily grind where it matters the most. We say that here that destiny is a daily decision. It's actually how you're building your life Monday through Saturday, how you're serving the world around you throughout your week is the real ministry and momentum of this church. But I wanna highlight and overlook probably part of this passage. Really, it shows us the way that Jesus operated. It says that Jesus took with him some of the disciples. Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. He brought a team, even in his moment of glory, the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus had a team. In the same way, I believe Jesus wants to lead us, lead you to higher places, to experience a glory that you will not get on the ground level. But even Jesus lived his life and led in a group. That he did it with other followers, with disciples, with believers. In the same way, to get to the high places of glory and God's calling, you will not get to that journey in isolation or by yourself. I want to speak today about teaming up to go up. We team up to go to new places. And as we connect launch groups, my heart would be for us as a church that if believers have been living in isolation out of insecurity or even busyness, that you would understand the power of belonging, not just sitting in a seat on Sunday, but in the stretch of the growth of your climbing higher with God, as you do that with other believers, other disciples, other people, God would take you to glorious moments of encounter so that you can bring the ministry where it matters the most outside the walls of this church. Because community and your high calling in life are probably closer linked than you may know. And the company that you keep can either keep you on the journey to an elevated life with Christ or it can keep you down to the low places where you've been. Let's pray. God, we thank you for everyone in the room, everyone online, all the men of Lansing. You have a high calling of heaven for every single life. And Lord, we're not just kicking off community groups, connect groups, because we just need something more to do. We wanna do your will and we wanna see your kingdom come in our lives, through our lives. Lord, we know that you made us with a mission, but you made us in mutual submission to one another, not to walk through this life alone. And any hang-up or old hardship or hurt that has kept people out of experiencing your best and your blessing by being a part of this family of faith, Lord, I thank you that goes and you bring radical change and grace. We love you. We thank you for the Chiefs today. Lord, we don't have a lot in Kansas City. We have barbecue and the Chiefs. And so... We thank you. You bless the work of their hands today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. That's a shallow prayer. I was like, okay, well, good. Still blesses my life when they win. And it's interesting to me that Jesus, who can kind of do everything, can do anything, can do all things, doesn't do things alone. He doesn't climb the mountain alone. He brings people, chose people, a small group, a small number of people, to go with him on the journey. It was his moment of glory. It was his God encounter, and yet he didn't want to do it alone. Now, he takes the same three guys with him to the Garden of Gethsemane. In that final moment where he had his wrestle with his will, submitting to the will of the Father to fulfill his mission. Jesus takes others with him in an inner circle on his destiny journey. In the highest moments of God encounters, 
in the lowest places of God's sacrifice, Jesus seemingly wanted support, kinship, relationship. Did he need it? He is God incarnate. By him and through him, all things were created. Nothing exists apart him, from him. And yet he says and shows us, and this is the real reason I believe that Jesus did it, is because he doesn't keep things to himself. He brings others on the journey. And he modeled for us a way to effectively minister your calling and your purpose. And you have a unique one. And yet you will not fulfill it in isolation or alone. This is a paradox position of our faith, is that there is an individual calling for you. And one day you will stand before Jesus, not in your group, alone. And I believe that day is not scary. It's a beautiful day of blessing. What did you do with your opportunity, your resources? What did you do with your life? Did you fulfill your purpose? And yet, even though that day, it's just you and Jesus to fulfill the purpose. So that day is a day of blessing and that day is a, a day of honor and that day is a day of glory. God wants you actually to walk and be in a relationship, to be in a group. Because the paradox is this, is that you have a unique and special gifting, calling, and opportunity, and yet you won't fulfill it by yourself. We see this in the Old Testament, Exodus 24. God says to Moses, climb higher. Don't stay where you're at. Come see me in the high place. Climb higher up the mountain, and you're going to wait for me there. I'm going to give you these Ten Commandments. I'm going to give you the tablets of stones, these teachings and commandments that I've written to instruct them. See, if your God encounter is only about you and nothing that God gives you to give to other people, it's probably not a really God encounter. He actually does things up there so that he can, you can do more down here. So Moses got up, and he was accompanied by Joshua, his age. In other words, he brought on another generation on the journey, and they climbed up the mountain of God. They got up. They teamed up, and they went up, and they did it together. Now, I have never climbed a mountain. I actually have problems with altitude. I am shallow in my breathing, deep in my biblical understanding, and humble. Oh, am I humble. But I have problems. I have to take medication before I, I go up the mountains. I'm not even crazy about indoor rock climbing. And every guy in here understands why. You got to wear that harness thing. I am not about that life. But I do know this. The higher you're called to go, the longer it takes you. But if you're going to go to a place of rare air, you have to have a time of preparation. They call that preparation place base camp, where you're out of your normal elevation, but you're not up the ascent quite yet. And it's in that place where your body gets acclimated to a different environment. That's where your lungs get expanded. Let me tell you, Sunday morning here at Kingdom City is actually base camp. This isn't the highest and best thing that we do. That actually happens outside the walls of our buildings where the work of the ministry matters the most. But we come into this environment, which what? Is outside of our norm. Like you might be showing up every single week, but you are choosing not to stay at a low level of convenience. You want your calling. And so what do we do in this place? Well, first and foremost, we come to worship God. We come to lift up praise to the one worthy of praise, worthy of honor. We come to use our gifts and abilities to encourage one another. We serve each other 
at church. We give with generosity so that what the mission of Jesus can expand. And in this environment, your lungs won't expand, but your heart and your mind do as we rally around the word of God to do what the Bible calls me to do to equip the saints for the works of the ministry. In other words, we get prepared for our climb. Your climb is actually your Monday through Saturday of going after God, of growing in the word and loving people and sharing the message that matters the most to the world that needed in their time of need. This is what we do. When we gather together, it's so that we can get ready for where it matters, where it is actually significant. We get acclimated to the altitude of heaven in this atmosphere so that we can climb in our personal pursuits as a church to the world that needs it. And all, if you have, if all that you have is Sundays, you will stay stuck in this place because why? You're just getting your needs met. You're just getting encouraged in the moment. And I pray that you are encouraged today, although I will challenge you, that you have your atmosphere of worship. But this is the base camp to the real climbing that happens outside these walls. Because you're meant to get acclimated in this environment to go higher in your own purpose and calling. They say that adults that become Christians are returned back to faith. That the majority of their spiritual growth and disciplines are developed in their first year as a fully devoted believer, as a fully devoted follower of Christ. And what happens each year subsequently is they repeat that same year over and over again. In other words, they regurgitate the same things. I'm going to do a little fast. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to connect. And that's great if you wanted to stay at that level. It's called a plateau. But if you are, and you are, a person of purpose, a, purpose with a, a person with a calling and a greater destiny than you're currently seeing, what you were actually designed for, then you do not just keep doing the same year over again. you got to break out of the norm. And what causes us to grow more than anything else, personal devotion is powerful and you need it, but it's actually doing life and ministry with other people. It's actually the power of belonging to something bigger than yourself, whether it is a group of three or four or you're part of a team, it's in those environments where you're actually sharpened and changed for the real ministry that the mind of God has created for your life and your life alone. You need help to go to higher places. Genesis chapter 2, God said from the very beginning, it is not good for man to be alone. I'm going to give him a helper, a companion. Now think about Adam in the garden. There was no sin. There was no problems. He had daily God connection, endless provision. He had a job. He was fully employed, but not fulfilled. See, in the perfection of the garden was still a problem that many of us still face, isolation. See, the Garden of Eden had perfection, and Adam needed help. How many think that you would need some help? If Adam needed help in the garden, how many think you need some help in your daily grind? God has actually positioned you as part of a spiritual family, a part of a community of faith that makes you better as you bring the betterment to other people so that you can fulfill the greatest purpose of your life, which I do not know what your individual, unique, high and holy calling looks like. 
I just know that you will not find it by yourself in isolation. Don't give the enemy what he wants. And it's you choosing to stay to yourself. He wants you isolated. The Bible says the man that isolates himself rages against all wisdom. You are fighting against wisdom. Like we see this in nature. Like when the lion is out hunting, he is looking for that wildebeest that got distracted. The one that veers away from the herd. He's looking for one in isolation because when they run as a pack, they are powerful. You don't believe that? Just ask Mufasa. <laughs> like they're strong when they're running together. Your life was made to be built together with other believers. The Bible says we're this holy temple that he's creating. Each and every person's like a living stone and brick by brick, he's building us up together. Why? So that we can go higher and we can be stronger. But in that, you've got to choose the right team. You got to choose the right people because not every relationship in your life, even in the church, gets inner circle status. Jesus modeled that. He had the 72 he sent out. He had the thousands that would follow him. He had the 12 that he walked with every day. And we see that he has the three that he brings along to special moments in his journey or in the garden in his time of need. Not every relationship in your life gets inner circle status. Proverbs 18 says the one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend that would stick closer than a brother. Same verse, different translation says there are friends. How many got some of those friends in your life? Bible says that actually they destroy. The people that you have inner access, they maybe don't have character or are not in accountability or are not headed towards the same direction. That's what community means, common unity. They don't have a common purpose or calling and you're united with them. It actually tears you down. Listen, even Michael Jordan needed Scottie Pippen to win at the highest level. And some of y'all still doing life with Rodmans. <laughs> like you, you need some other people in your life. The Bible says like iron sharpens iron. So one man, one woman, we sharpen each other. We have to be in contact and there might be sparks that fly, but it gives us our edge. It gives us our strength. It gives you an X factor on your life when your faith isn't just for yourself, but you're sharing it with others as they're sharing it with, with you. God uses relationships to reveal maybe who we really are. It acts as a mirror in our life, the Bible says. It reminds us how we're called to live. It restores us when we fall or we need healing and help. It rewards us with fulfillment because you can win at the highest level, but if you didn't bring anybody with you, that's a lonely celebration. Even Jesus in his highest moment of glory before he took the cross, he has others with him and it is example with us that we called to bring other people on the journey. You need a place of both what? Encouragement and challenge. Some of us only gravitate to just encouragement. You just want someone to tell you, you're all right. Everything's fine. That's not a big deal. Guys, if you have a, someone who turns a blind eye to your issues, that is not a friend, that's a fan. And then you don't need someone who's always 
poking out all of your problems, but you need to be in a relationship. And I'm talking two, three, four people. They know what is in your heart, where you're called to go. They have some fruit in their life that you would like as well. They're headed in the same direction. You're in common unity. You're in community with them. Proverbs 27 says a mirror. This is what right friends and communities centered around the gospel. They're mirrors that reflect the face. Shows you what you really look like, right? Visually. But who you really are, the Bible says, is shown by the kind of friend that you, what, you choose. So we team up with the right people and we go up together, but we have to understand that this climb together, there is a, there is a cost. There's a cost. There is a price to pay to go higher in your calling, but it is worth it. Like, you know, when you, you eat at a better restaurant, nice restaurant, the better the meal, the more you're going to pay. Like, parents out there, you understand that. You, like, thank God for the kids menu. I, for one, I save money right now because I will just order something small because I know I'm going to get eat off three kids that don't eat that much. It is the one blessing of being a dad. Just kidding. <laughs> but you, you order something, you get the bill for it. It's like, oh, man, I got the salmon dish. Maybe should have gone with the filet of fish There's a cost. <laughs> There's a cost to quality. There's a cost to your character. And the people that you get around you have to be willing to be paying the price of pushing into Christ as well. What's the price tag? Humility. Talked about the last week. It's just not about them. Not everything gravitates back to them. Transparency. That they're open and honest with what they're believing for and maybe what they're battling. Someone to be real with. But being real with someone doesn't mean you're just complaining about all your problems. No, someone of real faith. And in our church family, Plaza North, in our church family are a lot of believers that are strong, that are capable, that have walked with God for seasons, that are passionate, that are living in their purpose. And this is a message for all of us. If you're new to the faith, if you're growing in the faith, if you follow Jesus for a while, every single one of us need to get in community and connectivity because why? There's a greater purpose for all of us. Even for the devoted follower, disciple of Jesus, been following him for decades, there's something that you'll grow in as well as you help others grow in their journey because love is freely given to everyone, but inner world access is earned. Look, we're going to be authentic with people, but we have to be transparent with people that we trust. Some of you, you've had some church hurt, wounds, or burned in yesterday because you were transparent and authentic and connected with someone you thought was there for you and they were not. Or maybe they were in a season and the season changed. And I'm speaking to that wound, and I'm speaking to that hurt today. He said, just because you had a harsh situation doesn't mean there isn't more help from heaven for your future. Like, you might have eaten a meal and got food poisoning, and you took a couple days off of eating. But guess what? You had to eat again. Some of you maybe got burned in a relationship, in a church, maybe even our church. Guess what? We're imperfect. We were doing really well, and then you showed up. Gosh, a domino effect of drama that I've been cleaning up. They earn access. They earn it, not by feelings. 
How about, oh, we have a couple common things. You know, that's a good starting point. Guys, that's why we do rec groups. It's the lowest entry level, shallow end of the pool you can get in. I mean, there's not a lot of spiritual strength to be found in pickleball. <laughs> Although we're gonna see some of your all's character real quick. <laughs> Mouth like a sailor, gosh. We're gonna see, but that, that's the place where, hey, you make a connection or two. It, it might not all click. You might get one or two this year, but you'll never have any until you begin to drop the wall of self-protection, to get out of your pride, say, I'm too busy. No, your, your, your life is, mission is too important not to. So they earn it. They earn it over time. I love what it's, Paul says when he's bragging on Timothy. He says, I've got no one else like like Timothy. He genuinely, hey, listen, church, he says he genuinely cares about your welfare. And all the others, he says, they care about themselves. What can they get out of it? But you know how Timothy, what has, what he's proven himself. He's proved himself. Like, how did they get access? Well, friends of your future, but they need a fruit check. Like, is there the fruit of the spirit in their life? Yesterday, I was at my daughter's basketball game. Well, you gotta always be careful what you say or do around me on Monday through Saturday because it will show up in a sermon. <laughs> I was at a basketball game, and it, okay, I mean, I'm not gonna dump on this league for a moment, but I'll just say it is the, it was the Christian league, and it's too it's too Christian, it's too safe, okay, it's too safe for my liking. And I'm sitting next to some of her other uh, parents on her team, and and then a guy I think was a I think a grandfather. Uh, of one of the other team. And I'm a talkative guy, okay? It is a blessing on Sundays and maybe a curse throughout the week. I don't know. It's the way God made me. Deal with it. And so I'm talking. I don't talk trash. I'm an encourager. I'll encourage the other team because honestly, at this level of the league, the score doesn't really matter. But one thing I will help is I will help the refs. I'm gonna help them. God's, God's giving me the spirit of encouragement like Barnabas. I'm there to help them. So I'm going to help call some fouls. I'm going to help call some travels. I might even hit them with a three in the key. And, when they, and I'm encouraging the other team. I'm encouraging my daughter. I'm saying, hey, good shot. I'll say, I'll say to the other team, that was a good try, good job. But I'll be like, hey, that's a, pushing off, that's a foul. Does it help the refs? Yes, they end up calling things because these... Well, anyway, this guy turns to me. <laughs> hadn't said a word. Hadn't said a word of encouragement. He's a big guy. He was probably a grandpa, though. And he was like, you know, he was over there like just, you know, quiet. I could tell. I was like, oh, I think this guy's bugged by me. And he turns to me and says, I mean, angrily, venomously, would you just shut up? And I said to him, you need to Relax. And he said, you need to relax. Let the refs do their job. I'm like, they're 14 years old. I wanted to say, make me. And then honestly, he stayed a few more minutes and he like stormed off. I'm like, bro, take your heart medication, okay? Your blood's not on my hands, all right? God sent me to help reveal. But I'm saying, here we are in this Christian league in the small Christian church. 
And I'm like, man, this guy, like, you can't just say, hey, man, would you, like, quiet it down? You're annoying me. Like, he has no fruit of the Spirit in his life. <laughs> and anyways, <laughs> people in your life need to pass a produce inspection. Do they have what you want? Have they, are they going where you want to go? Are they trying to do what you're desiring to do? Have they been there before? Are they headed up the same mountain? Is it all talk or do you see it in their walk? Do you see it in their kids? Again, no one is perfect. We are far from perfect as a church, but we're making progress and we're headed up in the same direction. And guess what? Just like in the natural world, fruit inspection is done seasonally because every harvest is significant. Think about King Saul and David. There was a season when Saul was a blessing to David. And he went from opening doors to him and bring him into inner court to throwing spears at him. Even in our life, sometimes there's people that it was a relationship that at a lower level of immaturity spiritually was healthy and was fun and was relational, but eventually they might not throw spears, but they throw shade. Because as you begin to reveal some of the things that God has put in your heart, or you begin to go a little further, they kind of want to hold you back. And some relationship seasons are more significant than others. And if it's a step-up season for your marriage, if it's a step-up season as you're starting a family, if it's a step-up season as you're finally serious about the things of God and growing, then it is a significant season of inspection of the voices that you allow around you. And sometimes you have to choose who you're going to lose. Even in our church, I'm telling you, there, you, you need three or four. You can have friends of 30, 40 people, but you need three or four relationships that the common unity, the community, is headed in the trajectory of your purpose and your calling. When I got my life right with Jesus, I was a sophomore in college. And, um, I had like friends, the thickest thieves. Literally, we used to steal things. And <laughs> Father, forgive me. But we did everything. We actually, some of us went to high school together, and we all were on the same dorm together. And, and I love these guys. The Bible says friends closer than a brother. These guys are closer than my actual brothers to me. And they were my best friends. And I knew, though, and maybe it wasn't even about them. It was about me. That when I got right with Jesus, and I knew I had a calling on my life, that I transferred schools. I went halfway around the nation. Because I knew if I just stayed in that environment... Something within me, just I think it was a drawing of the Holy Spirit. I knew I needed to make real change if I was going to make real progress. And so I, I, I pushed pause on that. Guess what? Those guys are still my friends. I talked to one of them for an hour this week. Like, they all follow Jesus. They're all awesome husbands. Like, like we're still close. But in that season of calling, I needed some separation from my yesterday. Like, we make it as easy as possible. The Bible says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. It says in 1 Corinthians. One translation says, every time. Like, you cannot outrun the relationships that are closest to you. And it does not mean that you have to kick everyone out. You just need to take careful consideration of the voices that matter the most. Like, we make it as easy as possible. You scan a QR code. Our church is also easy to just show up and sit in a seat. You miss a Sunday or two, you might, you know, we have two locations, like, and I get it, like, we make it as easy as possible, 
but there's this progress in your life you will not make unless you're positioned around the right people and headed in the right direction. So get in the shallow end. Go to a group, man, go once a month. Just refuse to live in isolation. Do not isolate yourself and rage against all wisdom. If Jesus had an inner group, you need help in your group. There's right people for you. Because guess what? The greatest joy and the greatest pain both come from relationships. Both. Family of origin baggage, maybe church baggage or wounds. Like yeah, you, you, you've experienced before and it hurt. Get back and do it again. Ask God to show you how to pick and choose the people. Not just what they do for you, but the things that you can add to them as well. Because what happens if you don't? You're gonna do the same year over again spiritually. You're not gonna grow as a disciple. You're not gonna grow as a follower of Jesus. Your gifting won't be released for other people. And so it will lay dormant on the inside of you. You will not climb higher to your calling and experience the mountaintop moments of God's glory that you take to this thirsty and dying world that's all around us. Remember, Jesus says we're like a city on a hill. We're something that the world is looking at. We're the light of the world. When we climb up to that place and like Jesus' glory fall, when it falls on us and he begins to grow our marriages and it begins to grow our character and it begins to unlock our gifting and our ability and we don't bring it to self and take the attention to ourselves. No, we share it with the world around us. The Bible says that we show love to everyone, generosity to everyone and start with those with the people that are closest to you in the family of faith. It's how we build each other up. And he puts us on display to the world that is looking for direction and is looking for hope. So what happens if you don't? You stay the same. But what happens if you do? What happens if you do choose to get out of your comfort zone? Maybe get out of the past church pain or drama. And you choose to do it again. And you do it with the right people. You're not allowing that gossip voice back in. You're learning to put a healthy boundary in that place. You're not just making it all about yourself. You're not trying to position yourself as a spiritual giant that has everyone's answers. Nobody does. But you position yourself as a servant of others. As you're headed in the direction and trajectory of your calling and your purpose, you'll see that God is going to bring spiritual momentum. Guess what? It gives grace to the humble. As we humble out and we help each other, the grace of God shows up and does the things that we cannot do and takes us to places that we cannot go by ourselves final thought is this, that you're only as safe as your secrets. And if there's a secret pain or a poison in your life, a problem in your life, God wants you to get with others, one or two, three or four max, and share that problem and pray for each other. It says that when we confess our sins to one another and pray for each other, we are healed, we're made whole. That shalom, that peace of God is present in our life. We're not perfect, but he perfects us. And he does it together. I believe this year is a year of uncommon unity for us. Uncommon. The Bible says he commands a blessing where there's unity. Uncommon blessing. As we go to high places together, the glory of God's gonna fall on us. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. I want to pray particularly for those, for those that have had church pain and hurt or in your insecurities, listen, or even in your mistakes. Call what the Bible says, sin, that you've pushed things away because you don't want to let anyone in. And 
that you would have spirit of humility, teachability, and transparency. Says, no, I'm not an open book to everyone, but I'm going to open my hearts to the right ones. And that you would forgive wounds of yesterday, whether it's a family of origin or maybe even a church family wound, because it is keeping you out of that pain, is poisoning the progress you are called to make as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ today. Let me pray for you, then we're going to worship. Father God, I thank you for every heart. What an honor it is to be in the family of God, sons and daughters of an amazing and gracious God. What an honor it is to be in a community of faith, a spiritual family. God, you know we, every one of us individually, all of us as church, we are far from perfect. But your word says you would perfect that which concerns us. And if there's an old pain or an old wound, an old heartache or an old hurt that's holding us back from being joined together in this body, in this family. Lord, it is stopping your future from becoming our reality. Lord, we release it right now in the name of Jesus. Maybe it was a lie that was told or trust that was broken or even abuse that happened. Lord, right now, even by faith, we let it go so that your healing grace can show up and restore. And Lord, I thank you. You're going to build us together for something beautiful, not for our own glory, but for the glory of God, for the expansion of your kingdom, for the reaching of the lost, for the building of our family, for the building of our future. Lord, I think we're getting in common unity together for the blessing of heaven to flow in our individual lives and collectively as a church. Every old hurt and wound of yesterday, Jesus, we leave at your feet. And we're following you as disciples together up the mountain of God to receive the glory of God, to see your goodness in the land of the living, and to bring it to the world that so desperately needs it. Lord, I thank you. If you're highlighting hurt in people's hearts, it's because you'll never reveal something that you won't heal. So Lord, we give it to you, and by faith we trust you're healing it, you're restoring it in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, if you receive that, can we give him some praise and some worship? Come on, we're going to new places together, church. Let's worship.